0: Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, I am so happy to start off Black History Month with my brother-in-law, who's actually my brother, Michael J. Morris, lifelong family member who is a phenomenal artist, uh, aka Myjah Moore, as our in-studio guest. Mike, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Darrell
0: so you know uh, before we uh, jump into your upcoming virtual art show could you share with our audience a little bit about your you know your education your background your experience and your philosophy about art
1: okay um, I grew up in Laurel Delaware and went to Laurel high school I went to a historically black college Delaware State University as it is now it was Delaware State College. Um, I I earned a BS degree in education, art education there. And I did my move to Salisbury and did my plus 30 uh, master's hours at um, Salisbury State and also at Salisbury University as it is now. And also um, UMES, which is a University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Um, And I did my master's studies in art education photography and graphic design.
0: Very nice. And and you're retired now, but how many years were you were you teaching art?
1: I'm a 40 year retired teacher. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: wow. and I probably could have went 50 if my knees hadn't given out on.
0: Okay. All I, right.
1: I enjoyed I enjoyed the students. I started a program called the uh, Visual and Performing Arts program because I would take students to National Portfolio Day, which is set up with 40 colleges, art schools, and colleges, and I would take my art students there. But they couldn't compete with students across the bay, and the reason why is because those students had um, uh, uh, performing arts high schools, so therefore they were getting art three hours a day, where my kids were getting one hour a day art, and so I cornered a kid and. Kind of talk to him about his portfolio found out this was the situation i went to my um my superintendent at the time um blouse holman and she said well mike write up a proposal for a visual performing arts class and let's see what we can do wrote this proposal normally a proposal in wicomico county takes five years she comes to me before the end of the year and says we've accepted your proposal and next year, we're starting the visual and performing arts program so that your students can compete with students across the bay. Art was three hours a day. These kids created fabulous portfolios. And I've got proof that you know, it works because I've got architects, I've got um, graphic designers, movie makers uh, from my classes that were successful in college.
0: That is awesome. And, and so how would you describe your, your art?
1: Uh, My art is somewhat illustrative, but I'm a realistic painter. Um, What I see is what I paint. But I also am a storyteller. And the reason why I said my artwork is illustrative is because I create images that tell a person a story. If you stand there long enough, you will get the story without me speaking to you. Um, now, Now, saying that, the thing you also got to understand is I'm also, I write poetry and now I'm illustrating my poetry so that now you can read my words as well as my, my brush strokes. Wow,
0: that, uh, is, that, that is beautiful. And, and so over the years, I, I have had the opportunity of seeing all of your prolific work. And one of them that I'm most proud of, I, I'm actually the owner of, um, and it's Pygmies. Tell us about uh, pygmies well, what, what was the inspiration okay. for pygmies
1: okay this started with me renovating a brownstone in Bestille New York had a friend that had a problem with a contractor knew I did contracting work and said Mike I'll pay you whatever you want just renovate my brownstone well I thought it was a couple apartments it ended up being four apartments in the brownstone So I would load my truck up on Friday night, um, drive to New York, work all Friday night until maybe one, two o'clock in the morning, work all day Saturday till one, two o'clock in the morning. And on Sunday, I'd work until about five o'clock, drive back home and on Monday morning, I'm in the classroom teaching. Well, the neat thing about it was um, across the street on Halsey Street was this, this playground. And on Saturdays, these old black gentlemen were playing Um, Chess and checkers. And the the guys that played the checkers were the ones that were the most fun because they always had a lot to say where the other guys were always um, concentrating. But I noticed the one thing that I liked about these gentlemen was the camaraderie. You knew that they had been together for years and enjoyed each other's company. The other neat thing was, if you looked at their checkers, their checkers were always worn slanted because by pushing the checker across the concrete tables, it would wear the checkers down. And normally they would be slanted in the direction that they would push into the checkers. And it kind of inspired me to do a painting called, you know, Saturday Checkers and Pigmies. And so what I did is once I got inspired, the next time I came to the brownstone, I brought a canvas like three feet by four feet. And I actually, on Saturday nights, I would paint on this canvas for a whole year and I created that painting. And
0: it. And I tell you, I've been the prized owner. Uh, let me see. I think I was in Chicago uh, back in uh, the late 80s when uh, I said, Mike, I need something for my wall. And you said, I got the perfect thing for you. Uh, that's great. And and the piece behind you. Um, I've I've seen this piece in your, I think your dining room uh, over a number of yeah. years. Tell us about this piece and, and why it's Always a work in progress. And when do you expect for it to be completed?
1: <laughs> it's it's half of a painting. It's three feet by four feet, and the other half is on the other side of my window in my dining room, and it's three feet by four feet. And it's just a big painting. I started 10, 10, 15 years ago, and I got busy on a couple projects. So I just hung it on the wall and it's been hanging on the wall since then um and there's a lot more that i have that needs to be done to both of those paintings and when i finish them um it may be in the next couple of years when i get less busy um, <laughs> I, i'll put the brushes and finish it up
0: wow and yeah. so when you think about the the various different themes oh,
1: uh, uh, one, one other thing, Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the painting is is called um uh, Ashante to Zulu, so it's, it, it's trying to, I guess, illustrate the, 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 the nation of Africa from A to Z. Wow. So there's a bit of everything going on in there. Um, the part that you see where the statue is, um, you see the elephants, and then you see the uh, Zulu warrior behind me and the zebra uh, pelt ab- above my head, you know, so... How long
0: how long have you been working on this particular piece intermittently?
1: Um it's about 15 years.
0: About 15 years. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And so um, you know, your art speaks volumes. There are so many themes. What are some of the core themes that you want the 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 viewer, the the person who's looking at your art, what are the themes and the messages that you want to convey to them?
1: Well, I grew up in the 60s. I grew up with segregation. I grew up with, you know, just people not being kind to black people. We're not gonna say who, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, But what I guess influenced me was the struggle that I went through and I saw my brothers and sisters go through. And um, I create artwork that kind of inspires that, so what we had a struggle, we're now succeeding. Um, I'm also interested in social commentary. Um, I just recently, a couple of years ago, did a piece called Hands Up, Don't Shoot. And it's of a, a black girl with a large Afro and most people, when I, when I hang it in the gallery, they walk past it, they see a, a black girl with a big Afro. They think about the name, hands up, don't shoot. And they wonder, well, what's that mean? And when they come back and look at the painting closer, the, the, the edge of her Afro has hands all around her Afro. Those are the hands up, don't shoot. And so I, I, I try to create imagery that when you walk away from it, it's one thing you will come back and check it out again, it'll be something else. And you come back one more time and it'll be more like.
0: You know, another one of my favorite, um, I have so many of your favorites that I love. Um, the one where the American flag is suffocating uh, the brother. And then you have some of your poetry uh, around.
1: Democratic Apartheid. Um, I wrote a poem called Democratic Apartheid. And then again, this is one of the pieces I was telling you about. I, I created a, an image that illustrates what the poem Democratic Apartheid means to me. And um, if you look at this piece, um, it's, it's on my, my website, majumora.com. Uh, um, and it's it's a Black man being suffocated by the American flag. And everybody gets on me because they're like, well, Mike, in the field where the stars are, there's no stars. But if you think about it, There's no stars in America that are, are, I want to say, um, I guess, look at Black people as equals. So therefore, why put stars on a flag that mean the different states, but there's not a state in America that, you know, looks at Black people the correct way.
0: Now, with the events of January 6th, I know there's a lot of thoughts uh, going in your mind about how you wanna capture the symbolism of what happened uh, January 6th. Is there anything that you feel comfortable to share with us that you may be working on uh, to, to, to capture the inequality? Because as a lot of people have said, if those were black folks uh, during the January 6th, it would have been like Tenement Square, it would have been several folks to unfortunately uh, be, be killed.
1: Exactly. Well, you can see what they did with the uh, Black Lives Matters um, uh, march in in DC, and they had all of the um, uh, uh, the, the military protecting the, the the Washington Monument and the and the Lincoln Monument. You know, and those people were 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 peaceful. But you know, I, I've got a few ideas. I'm not gonna. Not I can understand.
0: Cards, C- creative license.
1: Got, you know, got one for you, that's going to, it's coming. Um, I've got a, um, a schoolhouse with a blackboard with a little black child standing in front of the, the um, blackboard and on the board is an equation, a, 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 a math equation. And the, the young man is, is looking to the right and he's startled and coming from the right, the door is, is kicked open and there's two policemen with their guns on it, saying put down the weapon and that's kind of my you know take on you know martin luther king thought you know the world was going to get better but now that we see we're still kind of standing in the same spot we were back in the 60s you know they don't see us as equals
0: and so you know now that you the pr- you're the proud grandfather of, of two, two young, beautiful young boys. Um, what is your hope for America, for your, for, your, for your two grandsons?
1: I'm hoping that cooler heads prevail and that we get back to solving problems through discussion and through compromise. Um, I, I can remember when politicians used to get together and go out to lunch you know, on different parties and sit and talk about the problems that would make America a stronger nation. And we've gotten out of that. We've gotten to the point where we're in a boxing match and there's one person in the blue corner and one person in the red corner. And um, all we want to do is war each other in the middle of the ring. And we've got to get away from that because um, I worry about my, my grandson. You know, they, they, they don't need this. You know, this is something that bothers me every day.
0: So in in your letter to your your grandsons, if you were to write a a letter, what advice would you give them when they are of teenage age?
1: (laughs) I'm going to give them the exact (laughs) advice my grandfather gave to me. My grandfather, and I grew up on a farm. Uh, When I was 11 years old, I was driving tractors and big trucks with the double wheels in the back, um, plowing fields, and we used to pick watermelons in, in, in the summertime. That was the, his main crop. And um, one one day, I was sitting on a ditch bank. I had finished my, my couple rows. And it was around lunchtime, so I'm sitting on a ditch bank, and I'm you know having a, a, a RC. I don't know if you all Royal Crown Colas. Oh
0: yes, we had RC. Uh huh. RC Cola. <laughs> so
1: I'm sitting there drinking this Royal Crown. Here comes my grandfather. He always carried a jug of, of water, uh, water, a uh, gallon jug of water. And he sat down beside me. And I loved my grandfather because he was a man's man. He says, "Mike, I'm going to teach you something today." So I said, "All right, Grandpa. That's what it is?" And he said, "Are you done with that soda?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah. He took the bottle and he put it at the top of the ditch bank. He took his gallon of water and he poured water behind the bottle and it rolled down past the bottle and down into the ditch. And he says, that's your lesson for today. What did you learn? And, you know, I I guess teenagers, you're thinking, okay, water rolls downhill. And he says, yep, you're exactly right. But I want you to also understand that water looked at that bottle and didn't blink. Because water will roll over around or under an obstacle to get to its, its destination. So you as a black man, don't don't stop when a door is slammed in your face. Find a way around it, through it, under it or over it. Think like water.
0: Wow. <clears throat> you know, one of, my, one of my favorite martial artists, Bruce Lee also said that be like water, my friend. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> absolutely ladies Thursday.
1: and gentlemen we we are here watching,
0: uh, my the other day <laughs> oh are <were> you okay <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we are here with renowned artist michael j morris known as my and you can visit his site at myjamore.com did i get that right mike yes excellent yes. Uh, it's such a pleasure and as i said at the top of the show uh he's my brother i've, I've known mike since i was a sophomore in high school and yep. he he treated me uh so well um taught me so much i just wish that uh, he had gotten to my ear before i fractured my collarbone and playing high school football because i wasn't lifting weights <laughs> but mike let's let's talk about your your upcoming uh point of juxtaposition juxtaposition virtual art show. Um, <clears throat> when, first of all, when will it be held and how can people uh, attend the this virtual art show?
1: Okay, the, the gallery is uh, in Ocean City, Maryland. It is the Ocean City Art League uh, Center for the Arts. Um, it will be from April the 2nd to May the 1st. Um, and it's really not, a complete virtual reality um, uh, art show. And the reason why I say that is because you can also visit the gallery. They have gallery hours and the gallery hours are, um, let me see if I can remember these, uh, Monday through Friday, nine to four, and Sunday or Saturday and Sunday, it's from 11 to four. And you're certainly welcome to go in the gallery and and, and look at the pieces of artwork. Um, If you wanna view the virtual show um, go to artley um, of and when the page comes up click on online exhibit and you'll get to see example of um, points of juxtaposition
0: um, now the day it opens will you and your your other artists will um, <clears throat> you guys be there live
1: uh, we haven't we haven't worked that out with the um, gallery uh, person yet um, that's something we're trying to negotiate. You know, that would be a nice thing to have. Maybe a, a Zoom um, virtual reception.
0: Right. Know, so. it, it's it's what we call a, a hybrid, if you will. You got you know you got some people that that are there live, and then you have other people who are coming through, which which is really nice because people from around the world can check out your art, and that's and that's what uh, yes. I'm looking forward to because um, uh, we do have a. Yeah. a, a, a mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: And our our website is pojartists with an s and you'll get to see each one of the artists. Uh, there's six of us. Um, we have in education. We have over 170 years of experience. Uh, three of us have taught for 40 years. There's a couple that have taught for 30 years, and one that's taught for um, two years. But um, you know, it's it, it's a lot that we. We come up with uh, oh, how do like, this... like the points of a, a compass. Yeah, you know how the points of compass go in different directions, mm-hmm. and they're all juxtaposed to each other. That's mm-hmm. that's for the, the name points of
0: juxtaposition. And we you all have...
1: come with different mm-hmm. ideas
0: and different different uh, media. Wow, and and you have been doing this show collectively for how many years now?
1: Uh, it's about eleven years. Uh-huh. Yeah. We all started. It really started at at Delaware University. Uh, uh, me and two of my art buddies that you know went school with, we did a, a group show, and it was called um, Artistic Paradox. And we liked the the, the the feeling of showing together. And so a couple of years later, you know, we kind of sat down and said, "Why don't we do a, a, a bigger group of all Black educators in the art field?" And so we came up with Points of Justification. Um, I also had my um, first show that we did was at Salisbury University, and we had my uh, my my famous nephew, your famous nephew, uh, <laughs> Kadir Nelson, uh, in the group with us. Um, and Kadir is a world-renowned uh, illustrator. And a little story about Kadir and myself is I was I was Kadir's mentor. Um, I was the first person that noticed that this young man had some talent. I think he was around 10 years old. The next year his mom um, said, you wanna go visit your Uncle Mike? She lived in San Diego. She put him on a plane and sent him to see his Uncle Mike to spend the summer. And all we did was play basketball and artwork. The next summer, he came back. He came back for five summers in a row, spent time with his Uncle Mike. And now the young man is, he's an awesome artist.
0: You know, Mike, you have such a way of mentoring. I mean, you 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 have mentored me. Uh, you have mentored hundreds, if not thousands, of young men, and you do it in a way that's that's fatherly. Um, but but it's it's not just someone letting you you know agreeing with you. But but you're able to give advice in such a constructive way. Tell t- t- let's talk about that. What are some of the key principles that? you use to communicate to someone about how they can improve. Because no matter what situation that I have ever been, you've always come to me with solid advice. And and and, and I just appreciate that and love that about you. And, and so this show is all about leadership. And right now, the world needs great leaders. We need great mentors. What, tell us about your secret sauce, if you will. Secret sauce. Uh- <laughs> My philosophy for teaching
1: was the the P C C C, or I used to call it the P Triple C philosophy, and what that meant was preparation, um, communication, commitment, and confidence. And as I taught students and taught my nephews, Darrow's one, um, I always never. Never had those young men or the kids that I taught to do something I wasn't willing to do myself or hadn't prepared myself to teach them what to do. Um, I've always been a pretty good communicator. Um, I don't do a whole lot of shouting and preaching. Uh, I teach by by example, um, and I'm committed to what I do, and I have confidence in what I say. You yeah, know so. That's kind of my, my leadership
0: style. Wow, that, that is awesome. <clears throat> and, if you, and if you can, um, when, when, when Kadir first came to you, what, 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 you know, how do you get, someone has talent and what, what are some of the things that you stressed early on with, with Kadir?
1: Uh, well, the, the, the one thing, if you ever look at Kadir's artwork, I told him, what's the use of putting a pencil on a piece of paper or, or a paintbrush to a canvas if that piece of artwork doesn't stir the viewer's heart. I said, so when you create the piece of artwork, let it shout as loud as your brushes or pencils will, will allow so that that person, when they walk away, they have a different feeling of, of where they live or who they are. And, um, you know, he's, 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 and the funny thing about it, I'm going to give you another one. My nephew, Kadir Nelson, went to Pratt University um, and or Pratt, I'm sorry, Pratt College of Art and Design. And I asked him on the way, we were taking him up there to Pratt. And I said, Kadir, what are you, what are you going to study? I'm going to be an architect. And the whole time we drove up there, it was grinding me in the back of my neck. Because I'm like, that's not you, boy. I've seen you paint. And so when we got to the campus, I said, Kadir, in a year, you're gonna change your major. I said, because this major you're you're gonna major in is your mom's major. I know your mom influenced you. He calls me back a year later, at the next semester or next year, and he says, Uncle Mike, I'm changing my major. I said, "Where are you changing your major to? I'm gonna be an illustrator. And this young man has illustrated um, Amistad, the movie. He's he's done at least 40 books. He's now writing his own books and illustrating his own book. So, you know, it's, when I was teaching, the one thing that I would find that worked best for me was, you got, you got great kids, don't need any motivation. You got good kids, need a little bit of motivation. But then you got bad kids that don't care if you're God you're standing in front of they're not going to listen to you but what i found was i'm going to watch you as i teach you and find one thing that you do well and i'm going to call home and i'm going to tell mom and dad i'm your art teacher and they're going to say oh gee what has he done now and i'm going to tell them the one thing you did great and guess what the next day you come back he's going to work harder or she's going to work harder to to gain my 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 uh, pride in what they are doing constructively worked every time. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. That is, that is really, that is beautiful, Mike. I've just learned something and to understand that one thing and then to communicate that one thing versus someone always being beaten down for maybe the other yeah. things that they might yeah. not do so well. Wow. that that hey, is. You can, you can beat a horse and then one day that horse is going to throw you.
1: But if you lead that horse for a while and then you ride that horse for a while and you give that horse a piece of sugar every now and then, that horse will take you across the world. That's
0: right. That's right. That's right. Well, Mike, believe it or not, we're not out of time, but we're running short on time. Did you want to give a shout out to the other uh, artists that are going to be part of, of the Points of Juxtaposition Virtual Art Show?
1: There's five other artists. There's three artists from Delaware and three artists from Maryland. The Maryland artists are Ernie Satchel, who used to be the um, department head for the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. And he's a a ceramic artist. Um, We also have Kenneth Jones, who is a photographer. He's he's currently still teaching, but he's been teaching for 30 years, close to retirement. Um, The Delaware artists are Carl Williams, uh, one of my college buddies, and he's a collage and abstract artist. Um, Tony Burton is a painter and he paints in acrylics. And we also have Alexander Gamble, who works in collage and is a graphic um, artist. And, um, let's say and, and so, remind together.
0: us the show is going to be when in April?
1: It's going to be April the 2nd to May the 1st. So, the whole month of April. Wow. Yeah.
0: And so what final words would you like to leave with our audience to capture your thoughts about this is Black History Month uh, advice or or something about leadership, whatever you feel in your heart, what would you like to share with our audience?
1: Two things. First thing you got to remember and you got to teach your kids is that we are all standing on the shoulders of ancestors. Now, the ancestors that were coming over on the boats that jumped off the boats is not who I'm talking about. The ones that, that um, ran away and were never to be seen again, not talking about those. I'm talking about the people that persevered through the most uh, worst times in the world. Those are your ancestors. And the reason that they put up with all of this so that you are now here, so every day you're standing on the, the shoulders of your ancestors. And I used to do this little speech um, for a program that we had for uh, Black males in Montgomery County, and it was, "Don't piss on your ancestors." So when you think about, I'm going, I'm going to school today, and I'm going to do, I'm going to mess up, and I'm going to the principal's office because I don't want to be in this class. You're pissing on your ancestors. The day you slap around your wife, you're pissing on your ancestors. The day you think about robbing a store, you're pissing on your ancestors. So, and a couple leadership things you need to think about, you know, if you ever want to be a leader, one of them is education. You got to know what you're talking about. Okay. Secondly, you got to understand um, your leadership style. You know, some people lead by example, some people are motivational speakers, some people Know how to assign um, uh, groups, you know, uh, that type of thing. The other thing is, you need to um, understand that failure will make you a better leader. Because if you make it past the failure and learn from that failure, you won't make that same mistake again.
0: Wow, well said, well said. I wanna thank uh, Michael J. Morris, AKA Midra Moore for being our in-studio guests for this week on Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the program.
1: You certainly will.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this week on Leadership. Next week, we're going to be an hour on diversity, equity, and inclusion with three guests. And uh, we look forward to uh, for you to have that program. But I wanna wish you a great weekend. But remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Be well.